Welcome to the Leaders Corner Podcast, a program that puts you in touch with senior leaders from around the Army Reserve on issues that affect you. This is your chance to hear in-depth conversations that go beyond the talking points. Get first-hand insights on the future of the Army Reserve. All this and more exclusively on the official podcast of the U.S. Army Reserve, The Leader's Corner. Welcome to this edition of Leader's Corner, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the voices of the Army Reserve leadership in a way that's engaging, vibrant, and informational. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class Jeremiah Richardson, and today we have the Command Sergeant Major of the Army Reserve, Ted Copeland, on the program. For those of you who do not know, our CSM has been in since 1984, has participated in five mobilizations, including Operation Desert Storm, Operation Enduring Freedom, and Operation Iraqi Freedom. He was born and raised in Wapakoneta, Ohio, is a retired police officer, and is a certified firearms instructor. Thanks for coming, Sergeant Major. That's quite a lifetime of service. Yeah, it just means I'm getting old. <laughs> That's what that means. Yeah, I've been around a little while. <laughs> Yeah, my father actually uh, participated in Desert Storm. Sorry to date you there. Um, <laughs> but I can't imagine the kinds of changes you've seen in the Army in all that time. Do you miss polishing boots or anything like that from the old days? I tell you, you know, I used to a lot more than I do now, but it definitely is a level of discipline that we probably need to get back to. You know, you know, some people thought, well, what's the big deal? You're polishing boots. Well, it just shows individual discipline and standards. You know, it's how well you did. Not everybody did great at it, so I don't want anybody to think, oh, yeah, in the past everybody spit shined their boots. They didn't, but that was one of the ways that you showed and demonstrated your, you know, um, that you were a self-star, that you were motivated because your uniform was starched, your boots were spit shined, and it was one way to stand out just at a glance from your fellow soldiers. Yeah, I also remember adding all this starch in my uniform that was so much it would almost stand up on its own. Oh, absolutely. Stay flow was the liquid starch yeah, you would use. And uh, I tell you, when I was on active duty, I actually taught my wife how to starch my uniforms because every morning I'd spend an hour on my boots and she sat there and, and that was the old original heavy cotton BDUs, first generation. So she, I taught her how to, how to starch them so that way we could be together and get both those things done and out of the way. How long do you think you used to spend? Well, I tell you, it was probably about an hour on my boots, and she spent about that much time on a set of BDUs. Because you're right, they were they were very stiff, and you know, wasn't quite the days of breaking starch of the old green fatigues, because those you'd actually have to break to get them apart your hand through. But it, it was uh, it was pretty good. I was at Fort Campbell, so the humidity, just like here at Fort Bragg, is very high. So if you didn't do that, they didn't last long when you after you put them on. So. Also, I understand you want to talk about NCO traditions today. Uh, can you give me a rundown of what areas you wanted to talk about today? I tell you, you know, NCO traditions, the standards of NCO, you know, today I guess we'll, you know, probably talk about the NCO induction ceremony, kind of where we come from as a non-commissioned officer corps. I'm a firm believer that if you don't remember where you came from and lessons from the past, then how do you really know where you're going? And I think today our younger NCOs, not that there are no – better or worse than we were, I just don't think they have been educated on who they are and why we are, what we are as a non-commissioned officer corps. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> what, do, what do you think uh, 
the reason for that might be? I tell you, you know, if you look back for the last 20 years after 9-11, it was all about deployments. Most units were deploying every 13 to 15 months. So you were either getting ready for deployment, you were on deployment, getting back from deployment, getting back to family, jobs, college, and time was a problem, just like it is now. Time is our biggest enemy in the Army Reserve. So what comes off the plate, that doesn't affect deployments. So the NCO induction ceremonies, you know, basic things like drone ceremony, doing those what would look like small things but are important, but not important to deploying. So it's not helping with your readiness and deployment. So those things then slip to the wayside. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read this short story here to you, and I want you to tell me uh, your insight on it and how important it is to you. Uh, the winter of 1777 was disastrous. The British had successfully retaken many key locations in the 13 colonies, and General Washington's men were left out in the cold of Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Morale was at an all-time low, and conditions were so poor, in fact, that many troops reportedly had to eat their boots just to stay alive. No aid was expected to arrive for the Americans, but the British reinforcements had landed. It's no exaggeration to say that in that moment, one cold breeze could have blown out the flames of the Revolution. Then in February 1778, a Prussian nobleman by the name of Baron Friedrich Wilhelm von Steuben arrived. He set aside his lavish lifestyle to stand next to his good friend, George Washington, and transform a ragtag group of farmers and hunters into the world's premier fighting force. This was retold on the website, We Are the Mighty. So, Command Sergeant Major, do you know what followed from this? I tell you, uh, Baron von Steuben basically, for a better term, brought standards and discipline to, the, to our Cottonelle Army. I think he started out with a small core group of soldiers, taught them standards of discipline, drill and ceremony, but, you know, not kind of what we think of drill and ceremony today. It was drill and ceremony on the battlefield because that's how the armies maneuvered in battle was by formations, even loading your muskets at some, you know, at the beginning was four-step process. So he, he drilled a core group of soldiers on standards of discipline and how to function as a modern army for a better term in combat. Um, you know, he'd start with a small group and then he expanded it through, throughout the, you know, Cottonelle Army during the rest of the winter. And that's probably, I would have to say, probably what really turned our fate. Because as you said, we were in a pretty bad place at that point. And uh, I think it really turned us and got us where we, where we are. Now, is there, was there some way that he um, enforced those standards and discipline? Did you write them down? Or? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's re referred to as the Blue Book. Um, the original is down at Fort Bliss at the Sergeant Major Academy. It's actually still, still there. You can actually find it online, uh, pictures of it. But the Blue Book is a precursor of a lot of our, 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 our FMs today and, you know, the standards and discipline. So drill and ceremony, the Blue Book was a precursor. You know, it had duty descriptions for corporal, sergeants, first sergeant, sergeants, major, kind of spelled out what what each rank was supposed to be doing. And, and I tell you, it wasn't – we're pretty big today on very extensive type of writing and, and descriptions. Back then, it was not that. It was pretty simple. Um, so, you know, he codified it in the blue book. 
you know, for us. And I think we followed it for, I, I can't remember exactly my history, but I think the Blue Book was kind of our foundation and they followed for 30 to 40 years after that before we actually started developing other ones. So, Is there something that would be considered like a Blue Book today? Um, you know, you know, when you go through training now and as a basic soldier, base train, you know, you get the little soldier's manual now telling you how to, you should conduct yourself and, and, and all the general army business rules that you don't know as a civilian. That, that's blue. That kind of precursor. I said the drone ceremony manual would probably be definitely has its heritage and lineage back to the blue book. And there's quite a few others that I would say is probably the same, you know, the NCO guide. You know, it has a Dewey description for all our NCOs. So that's, you know, that this, it has lineage going back to the Blue Book. I imagine that Von Steuben was all about drill and ceremony back then because it was important for lining up your formations. Um, do, what value do you think uh, is in drill and ceremony today outside of basic training? Well, drill, drill and ceremony is very important. And I tell you, it's, for our leaders today, I don't think they really understand that. Um, it builds standards and discipline in small unit formations. Uh, it, it What I was just explaining to a bunch of NCOs the other day is once the NCO learns his job, his, can march his squad or platoon around, it actually builds faith of his soldiers in his leadership skills. They trust him. Now they understand, oh, he knows what he or she knows what they're doing. Um, you know, builds, uh, just not the standards and discipline, but builds confidence in our soldiers teaches them to work as a team, that you have to work as a team, which in the Army is critical for us. You have to work as a team. So it does a lot of things. It builds morale. It, it almost can go on and on. It's all these small things, again, that don't seem from far away means much, but for the standard soldier small unit, it, it, it's, it's, it's a critical piece of our uh, not just our heritage but our future on how our soldiers should conduct themselves and be trained. Why do you think that things like drill and ceremony have fallen off? I tell you, it may sound, uh, you know, I was saying the same things over and over, but it goes right back to where we've been for 20 years, how busy we are as a force, as a, just not a reserve force, but an army as a whole. And when you only have so much time and you have so many requirements, we take things off the plate. And... You know, this is one thing that we think don't have an effect. But now, long term, if you look at it, and we wonder why some of our standards and discipline in our force, you know, you know, it's maybe we're struggling with a little bit. But it all builds. I always tell people it builds. You start at the smallest thing, and, and just like not doing drill and ceremony or doing police call. How often do we do police calls anymore? And a soldier pick up a piece of paper. And they're walking, you know, and of course they're like, why are we walking this field picking up paper? Well, it all builds because I'm a firm believer that if a soldier don't know that the little things are important, will they do big things when nobody's watching? You know, because it, it builds. I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, it all starts to the left in this small thing, but it really ends up to the right in a bigger picture. Um you know, it just it's hard to it's always hard to put to words, but and some people may not agree with me, but I just look at it that way. If if you do little things right, you'll definitely do the big things right, no question. 
you know, it's, it's confidence in their leaders and their soldiers, knowing that soldier will do the right thing when nobody's around to give them advice and guidance because you build the foundation. Right. There's also the aspect, I think, in today's modern army where, you know, we often get caught up in our own jobs and MOSs and our cubicles, per se, and we don't do stuff together as much. Oh, no, that's correct. Uh, you know, and I think you hit it, you hit it right on. It's, um, I think we've went to that we think that our MOS skill sets are more important, um, and we think that we just have the soldier skill sets. Um, but it's, it's all relevant that if you don't train on certain things, then how do you have it? So, you know, if young NCOs don't know that they have to take their sol- their soldiers out and do drill and ceremony because they, when they were soldiers, it wasn't done, then how would they go do it? You know, um, most of them won't think about going to do it because they've just, they've never seen it. So it's habit. So it's generational. If you don't change how you do business, it just keeps repeating itself every generation because, the old generation trains the new generation, and it just keeps going. So um, I think, you know, it's kind of where General Lucky's taking us as a force, and the Army also is moving that way, is we got to get back to our basic soldier skill set, fight, survive, be lethal, survivable, before we can even think about doing our MOS skill sets. So this this is a, one of the ways that the NCO Corps it supports the officer's visions and intent, the commander's vision and intent is by – train our soldiers so they can meet and get to that intent and vision that the commander has and the goals he has set. Is there anything else from that original blue book, that that foundational set of documents that you think needs to be flushed out for today's NCOs? Um, you know, I think the NCOs... You know, using the, the current NCO guide gives us our duty descriptions per rank. So sergeant, team leader, staff sergeant, squad leader. You know, in the blue book, kind of, like as I said earlier, kind of spelled out those basic responsibilities. I think our NCOs have to get back to doing that, learn those basic responsibilities. That if you're a team leader, you have two or three soldiers that you are personally responsible for. I don't think we we have that concept right now. You know, sergeant just says, well, I got a couple soldiers and – you know, we'll do some training that somebody sets up and, you know, it's on the train, you know, but I don't know if they've taken a personal interest that each one of those soldiers is really their, their, their responsibility to be, to make successful, at least as best they can by training, mentoring, you know, um, guiding, guiding them. Um, I think uh, over the last 20 years or so, I think we've kind of just like everything, else we talked about we kind of morphed away that that sergeant knows that mm-hmm. well i don't I, I would argue today that a lot of our young sergeants to mid-grade sergeants don't know that because didn't have time to do that didn't have time in their units to get that mentoring train you know i come off active duty in 1988 and turnover in our units were a lot slower than it is today yeah. um, maybe four and below you know do their four years three years and get out but the nco stage so you know, if you're a team leader, you're probably a team leader two or three years at least. So you had two or three years, two or three annual trainings to actually learn your skill in your job at that level before you got promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now we're not so much promoting faster. We're just promoting before people actually fully learn their skill set at that level. Mm. So 
you know, I'm right back to if E6s don't know drill and ceremony is important, don't know how to do it, then who's training the E5s? Mm-hmm. And if the E5s don't know who's training the E4s. So um, I think we have this concept in our Army that certain things are left to company-level activity to be trained. But if the trainers at that level don't understand how to do it or why to do it or even they need to do it, it don't happen. Right. Don't happen. I think we can talk about that all day, but I, there were some of the things you wanted to talk about here while we're here today. Um, you're passionate about units conducting the NCO induction ceremony. Why is it so important, and why? what does that establish for our NCOs? I tell you, it establishes a baseline. So, you know, when you get promoted to specials or Corporal E4 to Sergeant E5, it's supposed to be a step, a big step, step into the leadership world, world that now you're – should be responsible. You're just not a troop. Um, the expectations higher. So, you know, conducting that ceremony one can be a very small ceremony, could be a very big ceremony, but it's really supposed to pass on to that young NCO that now they're part of something bigger than themselves, something important, something really important that they don't even realize that's important. Um, you know, so. If we don't do that, then how do we carry that on? Like I ta- talked about earlier about traditions, about our history. If we don't do these, then it don't happen. Unfortunately, today in our Army, I run across from young staff sergeant majors, E9s down to E5s, never been inducted in our NCO Corps. And then I'll talk about Baron von Steuben, and it's – Probably 50, 60% of these NCOs don't know who that is, don't know what the blue book is. Um, you know, so if, you ha- if, if our listeners haven't figured it out by now, I'm very grounded in, in our history and our past and our traditions because if we're not, we will lose them. And unfortunately, um, it, it could be bad for our Army in the long run because um, it does build that foundation of everything that we do. And, you know, I hate to keep coming back to standards and disciplines, but if your NCO don't know that's his his or her job, then it's not the commander's job. The commander oversees it and, and, and imposes punishment and all that stuff if you do something wrong. But, you know, the, the hopes is, is standards and discipline will slow down the uh, bad activity to a certain extent. It's never going to end at all, but um, um, so it's critical to us. So what would you say to the E6, you know, who's been in for a while and has never had the opportunity to do that? Like, why should they do the inductive ceremony? Um, because it starts them. You know, one, it gets them to understand the, you know, traditions and what it's all about and where we come from. But two, then it sets the tone for their soldiers under them and everybody junior to them to say, wow, this is important. It's like anything. If you don't lead by example, you know, then will your followers do what you want them to do? Um, no, it should always, you should always ground yourself. I've done in the last year, I've done several induction ceremonies where I was a guest speaker and we've had E9s being inducted into the NCO Corps, E8, C7. So it's never too late to get grounded back to where you started from, maybe re-energize yourself as a non-commissioned officer and say, okay, wow, this is important. I tell you, most of the time when soldiers go through it, whether they're participating or watching, and even I'll invite officers to come and sit and, and watch, once it's over, it's always, wow, this this is something good. 
this this is this we should be doing this yeah we should be so um it's it's been one of my pushes in the last two years is you know kind of codify it you know i don't like to set exactly do it this way because you can do it many ways but got to do it and uh you know it's been a big push through the senior csms to start doing it again yeah it seems to me from the way you explain it and what i've seen um it should be treated like a rite of passage you know wearing those stripes matters and i think it just emphasizes how important it is um taking on that leadership role um oftentimes i've heard people say that being an nco is a lot like being someone's dad <laughs> no that's probably true and, and you hit it right it is a rite of passage you know you're supposed to step up out of the soldier irresponsible expectations are low to that nco who now is the leader high re- high responsibility high expectations it is that it is that step, and uh, you, you, we struggle. You know, on active duty, and I heard they're not doing as much as they used to. But used to, if you got promoted sergeant, you were moved out of the company to a different company, hmm. if possible, if not at least out of the platoon to a new platoon, hmm. to get you away from your buddies, your those other E fours, E threes that you were running around getting in trouble with, and and all that good stuff, and um, to get that separation because it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to. Now I'm the leader and telling your buddy what to do because they're going to come back to you. Hey, man, come on. Yeah. You know, we're friends. Give it to Joe over there. You know, you know so, no, it, you, you hit it right on. Um, I know what some people listen may think, ah, it's not that important, but it is. In the big picture, it is important um, if you tie it all together. But it all has to be tied together. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's definitely something that I noticed the guys who are more combat arms-oriented – very much understand because you have that sergeant who's telling you to go over that hill um and having to earn that respect and have that respect means a lot and sometimes that can get lost in some of the the uh, support roles oh absolutely it's hard enough to be a leader and tell a soldier to do something that they may get hurt but how do you do it when you're buddies that's why the separation from ncos to soldiers is supposed to be that critical not supposed to be you know you're supposed to be more their dad their mom Mm-hmm. Their big brother, big sister, not their personal friend. Because yeah. so you can make those hard decisions and, and and get that action you need when you need it. That can be difficult at times. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so can you tell me a bit how these core traditional values and these NCO values apply to your personal life? Uh, that's interesting. I tell you, it's kind of funny. You know, many years ago, because I've been married almost uh, thirty six years. You know, the wife made it pretty clear that she was not one of my soldiers and my children were not (laughs) my soldiers. Um, You know, now for personal life, I tell you, I've been blessed. Um, I'm a retired police officer. Uh, I've done many things. I I think, um, you know, police work's a lot like uh, military, probably the closest thing there is. It's pretty structured. There's a rank system. Um, Standards are high. You know, I think I've lived my whole life because I, you know, I went on active duty. You know, I was, I think, 19. I held off. You know, waited a year, just didn't work, so I went into the army. Um, and you know, was married, had my, my daughter was two, and I went in the army. So for me, it's it's um, wow. It's hard to put to words, but the discipline. I'm all about discipline. I'm all about self-discipline. I'm all about routine to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Everything the Army is pretty big on is is kind of the way, you know, I like structure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I used to say I would go back to basic training. Most people hated basic training. I'd go back to basic they tell you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And if you do it, they leave you alone. I'm good. I like I like that structure. Just yeah. tell me what you want, and how you want it, you know, to a certain extent, and let me do it. Um, so I think it's been a very positive my life. Um, you know, life's not easy for you know, but you know, kids, job, all that good stuff. Um, you know, I, I think it's been um, basically a foundation that I've I've grew up on. Now, you know, the wife and I talk a lot about the army and what it's done for us and you know the army's not always easy all the deployments and all that separation but uh um but my personal life uh, you know it gave me a grounding for a better term mm-hmm. kept me out of trouble yeah um you know it gave me values that we talk values but you know everybody you know we talk them but right you know how to live your life and then be you know being a police officer is the same way you got to there's values and rules you should follow to be a good police officer and and it keeps you out of trouble and keeps your reputation and that's probably the biggest thing is keeps your reputation so that way when you do go to court and trials you do you do less of it if your reputation is good and that you know everybody knows what you said is what you did there's no elaboration there's no you know fudging of what happened out there on the street Mm -hmm. um to be in question so uh you know, uh, so for me, it's a, uh, it's been a good thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, having those, those values—loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage—definitely um, gives us a baseline from which we can always come back to these traditions that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely! Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I know we get upset when soldiers do the strangest things, where it's just. Stupid things or criminal things, um, you know, we're only human. So, yeah, we, we, we imply, you know, our, our, our seven army values on soldiers when they come in the army. Um, but it's a baseline. Um, you know, it should be something that we should always be able to reflect back on before we do things, hopefully, to help keep us, keep us, keep us um, on, on the straight path. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it just happens anyways. But... Um, yeah, but it, it, it's it's important even today's society. I got it, younger generations now; they think a little different. I'm not saying they think bad because they don't. They just think different. And but I think a lot of them, especially if they're in the military, where it's the army or any, I think they are seeking this type of thing where they really know and know or can put to words that's what they're seeking. Um, and you would maybe hope that by you know incorporating the NCO induction ceremony, teaching our NCOs their history that they might come to own their stripes even more when they're in their civilian world, you know, when they're in a non-duty status. That's maybe, maybe. You know, um, I used to tell young E5s, team leaders, give me a couple hours between drill, hmm. two, three hours for the month. Staff sergeants add three, four more hours. Platoon sergeants, a little more. You know, first sergeants, probably eight, ten hours between drill. Um the week before drill, call in if you're first sergeant E seven. Call in to the full times. Okay, you know what's going on, what's happening. Yep, I hear I got the train schedule. Is this already? You know, talk to the personnel sergeant. Which one of my soldiers need a birth month audit this weekend coming up? Which one's trying to get yourself prepped? Right. You know, instead of when you walk in Saturday morning, and if you have a pre-formation meeting as leadership, trying to cram it all and what all is happening today. You should already have a kind of an idea by prep. We don't need the world from them, you know. I don't need 
five full days between drill, I, I, I just need some prep time. Yeah. Um, own it. You know, we're right back to the NCOs owning it, being accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we've kind of let it slip away because of the time factors, limiting factors of, you know, wanting them to get back to their family and jobs between mobs. So we've let a lot of this slip away for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But how do we get it back now? How do we build that culture back? And that's what it is. It's a culture. It's yeah. just a, it's a culture of how we do in business. Um, so it's a, I'm always striving, and I ask young NCOs all the time, how do I do this? And I'm, they even struggle with trying to give me an answer. How do we do this? So Right. Uh, so is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, anything you wanted to yeah. ask? Yeah. I want to read a little, you know, little paragraph out of the original Blue Book. Stay with me because I'm going to read it in the language it was written. So it's kind of funny. It don't sound right grammar-wise, but it's kind of interesting. Mm. It says, each sergeant and corporal will be in a particular manner answerable for the squad committed to his care. And our day is his and her care. He must pay particular attention to their conduct in every respect, that they keep themselves and their arms always clean, that they have their effects always ready and put where they can get at them immediately and even in the dark without confusion. And on every fine day, he or she must oblige them to air their effects. Hmm. So, you know, basically count for the equipment, make sure it's clean and serviceable, and, and that they themselves are fit, clean, and healthy. Yeah, I caught the clean reference there. Yeah. You know, yeah. make sure you let your laundry yeah. air out. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, you know, that's just as important today as it was in 1778. Yeah. You've yeah, been in a stinky barracks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but see how important that is, you yes. know, that, where they spell out for that sergeant corporal to have that type of attention to detail mm-hmm. with each one of their soldiers. Um, and it's probably just more important today because we have more things, more stuff, more equipment, more technical equipment when yeah. it comes to, you know, we just don't have a musket and a backpack, you know. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it's hard to read the language a little bit because it's kind of a, 1700s kind of verbiage and grammar but um you know if you really think about it it makes sense yeah absolutely well commander ranger thank you for coming today uh we'll be eager to have you again when the opportunity presents itself no absolutely and i appreciate it and hopefully uh if just several of our ncos out here kind of understand what we were talking about and actually start getting after it then we're su- we're successful all right all right well that's it for this edition of the leader's corner Tune in next time for an episode all about VA benefits. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of the Leader's Corner. For more information about this podcast or the Army Reserve, go to usar.army.mil or download the Double Eagle app in the Google Play Store for your mobile device. We hope to see you next time. Thanks for joining